Hey guys, Barney here. I just want to take a quick moment to talk about the program that brings The Big Top to life, Zencaster. I use Zencaster for all my recordings, and since taking over The Big Top fully, I have actually tried other systems, but I ended up sticking with Zencaster. It's so easy to use. You don't have to download anything, just log in using your browser and start recording a high-quality podcast right away. It records studio-quality sound and up to 4K video with guests, along with a full suite of professional tools that let you produce and publish all from one dashboard. Being a creator has genuinely never been easier. And I love that I can send a simple link to my guests and we can record over a video call wherever they are in the world. Also, if you're like me and cannot stand the sound of your voice, Zencaster's built-in post-production process makes such a difference. It automatically removes ums and ahs, awkward pauses, reduces background noise, and makes me sound so much better. Plus, the hobbyist and Creator Plus accounts are always free to use, and their professional accounts are free to try for 14 days, no credit card required. Go to Zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use my code BIGTOP, and you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. I want you to have the same easy experiences I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. Hi, is that your dad? And welcome to The Big Top. I am your host, Barney, and today I am joined by not one, but two very good boys, Pup Maxim and Alpha Pup Bullet. Maxim and Bullet share their experiences from meeting at a religious college to discovering kink, their sex education, and first-hand experience of conversion therapy. While we discuss everything from dating apps to cock and ball torture, we do talk about some sensitive topics in this episode, including mentions of suicide. So please take care of yourself and skip this one if you think they might be triggering to you. Today the circus will be visiting Phoenix, Arizona and Austin, Texas. So I invite you to join me as we go under the Big Top. Welcome to the Big Top. Hi. Hi. It's great to be here. Yeah, isn't it? I'm so sorry that it's so early for you. It's (laughs) fine. It's fine. Full disclosure, I'm actually quite hungover. So my humor levels right now are like absolute dog shit. But um, just being awake is, is a challenge. My whole body hurts. So that's where I'm at. Even though it's the afternoon for me, it feels like it's the morning. I was up really, really late last night. I was actually stripping last night, which was very fun. But um, yeah, I got a little bit Tantina Aguilera. <laughs> We've all been there at least once, man. What, stripping so late and getting Can't really... say I've done that quite yet. <laughs> it's uh, on the bucket list. It was super fun. I mean, like, I did it... The first time I did it, I did it as a clown, which was kind of wild. But then this time I was like, well, I don't want to do the same thing twice. But if I'm going to do it, I'm going to put on a show. So I did it as a pup. And I did a whole thing where, like, you know, came in, sniffed people's butts. And then everything that I took off, I would then sort of play fetch with and give it to someone and then smell and be like, oh, smelly. And then I actually had my pup mask on top of my hood. So then I took the mask off and had the pup hood underneath. And then, you know, it was like, then there were two dogs. I stopped barking at the other dog. And yeah, it was really fun. That's an awesome routine, man. Yeah, it was super. I just, I kind of came up with it on the fly because I was like, I want to do, I want to do something silly and fun. I just realized that here in my notes, I wrote choking equals penis, all caps. I mean, you're not wrong. That's an astute observation. I'm not entirely sure what it means, but I agree. (laughs) I can't think hungover. I I only just wrote this. I was like, oh yeah, got to write this down. I'll know what this means. (laughs) Okay, tell me about your kink journeys then, because I want to know, I want to hear your weirdest stories. 
how did kink start for each of you so my journey's been pretty dynamic in terms of you know what i'm into what i've what i've liked um i don't know if this would be the start of my kink journey maybe was but i have um growing up and this is the age play side i was always into diapers and pissing myself and that sort of thing so i would actually like i tried to and it's 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 still almost embarrassing when i think about it it's like i remember once trying to get put back into them like into like pull-ups or the the good nights right and as a kid uh uh-huh like i was like probably 13 14 something like that and i pissed the bed and i got in trouble for it and they're like don't don't you do that that's not that's not a good i'm like okay yeah maybe that wasn't the right the right thing so um but um when i moved out and went to college and and thereafter for a little while i started being able to explore it more on my own i didn't really explore it as a kink first it didn't like really click in my mind and by that time i was already like i'm a, I'm a furry as well into the you know we're both major part of the furry community bullet actually took me in my first fur con and yeah around that time i really started you know leaning into pup play and exploring um more the the bdsm and leather kink communities as well and yeah so what came first for you was it diapers or was it fursuits to puppy pipeline i would say probably underwear would be the first big kink that i i personally had that i recognized myself as a kink because there's difference between like oh this is a kink or like you know i recognize this is a kink of mine right like so underwear first right and you know Mm -hmm. i recognize that that was my kink first and then came puppy play um i was into the you know furries and the fursuits and stuff um and the furry community long before i recognized hey this is a kink for me as well but long before i consciously started to explore the kink side of it um and through all of that i knew i was still interested in in diapers in in um, certain elements of age play and i didn't recognize it as a kink of mine until actually a few years ago just because one i didn't recognize that it really could be a kink and two i was you know kind of ashamed of it and i was like oh i'm the only person in the world that likes this and i'm like wait a minute i I'm definitely not. So it's a multi-million dollar industry. Yep. Yeah, I think we all had that child logic moment of like, well, I must be the only one. Nobody else could possibly be this weird. Yeah. Which is a shame because if you just taught people that it's okay to be themselves, then we wouldn't feel that way. But how about you, Bullet? How how did Kink like start for you? So just full disclosure, the first time I ever had an orgasm in my life was after getting hit in the balls. <laughs> Yep, yep. <laughs> so, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Nope, just... nope, I understand. Feel free to kink shame all you need. <laughs> that is pretty surprised me. Yeah, no, for like the first year or so, I was learning about my body and that kind of shit. I was attempting to masturbate by hitting myself in the balls. Oh, oh, it wasn't like a like an accident. Well, mostly it was. But it was just you. It was just you. Uh, Yeah, pretty much. Right, right. So just the image I had was like someone kicked you in the balls and you were like, uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> ah, oh. Kind of, kind of, but more in an alone situation. Got it, got it, got it. I think that really cemented CBT for me, cock and ball Mm -hmm, torture. mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's kind of something I I, I kind of grew up kinky, I guess you could say. Mm. But uh, as I started to explore more, you know, discovering pornography for the first time definitely opened up some kinks for me. Mm -hmm. But Max and I were both part of the furry community. And I think uh, especially when you're first exploring yourself, we went to a Baptist college, by the way. When you're first trying to explore yourself and you kind of like, you know, dive headfirst into it, I think uh, puppy play is a natural progression from a lot of the innocence we had from the furry fandom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I find there's a lot of crossover with the 
headspace elements of a lot of kinks. And puppy play is a very, very ubiquitous one because I think it's quite an easy... People get it quite quickly. They're like, oh, I can just mm. be puppy. I can just turn the brain off. I can just be silly and fun and kind of... Yeah, there is kind of like a childlike innocence there, which you find with a lot of other things, but it can also be very primal or very sexual. length. So I think it's a really easy, like road in. I just did my first CBT experience, which was also my first chastity experience quite recently, which was super intense and was in front of a crowd and I was pinned down and had my balls tortured, which um, I'd kind of thrown out there. I was like, we could do this as part of the scene. I don't know. Like, I'm really scared of getting locked. So I want it to be a big fear play scene and mm. kind of burst through that that limit. And yeah, the ball is a, it's a type of pain that I've only ever experienced a few times in my life, you know, and focusing smaller amounts of it, but continuously was very intense. So yeah, I... I don't know. I think it's the start of mm, maybe, maybe the start of something. We'll see. It definitely wasn't bad, but it was like just very different. I get that. I get that. It's definitely not for everyone. And it can be very intimidating going into, uh, especially CBT. It was spooky. Telling someone, hey, I'm going to beat up your cock and balls and you're going to like it. And it's just sort of like, oh, hold on a minute. Yeah. And the thing I was scared of was, was the chastity. So like that was what I was freaking out about and like then this other thing starts happening and i'm like ah (laughs) yeah yeah it was kind of a nice focus though because i like to use i'm very vocal with like pain stuff yeah and so i like to use that to get a lot of like emotion out a lot of stuff that i don't normally express like a lot of anger and a lot of screaming and a lot of shouting which is very cathartic it is i think that's a big big part of pain related kinks like like cbt and i bullets has definitely introduced me to quite a few things that i probably wouldn't have explored or would wouldn't have explored as early mm-hmm. as i did that's my fault i corrupted him you, you corrupted me a good <laughs> a good christian boy but no and like CBT i do is, love being corrupted i do oh my god i do too ah fuck I'm getting hard just thinking about it no anyway but like cbt specifically i was like you like that and then he told me this that story and this was this was years ago and so there are definitely some kinks, though, that you can push through and explore, quote unquote, quicker. Um, you can, like you mentioned, bursting through, right? And that's that's a, that's a buzzword that you hear in the kink community, like burst through your limits or burst through that ceiling type of thing. And, you know, try a new thing, be, you know, explore. Seriously. But at the same time, especially when it comes to kink related things, impact play, that sort of thing, you need someone, if you're going to do it with yourself, that's great too. But you also... It's, it's very important to find someone that understands how to introduce those type of kinks and yes. that type of play to you. And works for you specifically. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that that was possible. I didn't know that that was like a thing. I thought these were my kinks. They were very rigid. Mm-hmm. And then having all this stuff introduced to me and trying it and then being like, whoa. For me, it was definitely... And I, don't, I think, you know, it's different for everyone. So I think discovering that... <laughs> Sorry, I just flinched. A bird flew by my window. <laughs> um, discovering that I, that I was like a kink sponge was like wild to me. But for me, it is very much the person. Somebody makes it fun or cool or interesting or makes me want to try it and pushes me to do it. And I know that person and I'm safe with them. And they also understand me and know how to make me like things. And know that if they just kind of get in my brain a little bit, they can take that 
fear and make it fun just turn it into something that I I mean that's what they did with this big fear play scene I was like look I'm really scared to do this chastity thing but I want to give it a go they they made it like a whole shame procession and like this big everybody come look we're taking the we're taking puppy to get fixed he's going to the vet and mm-hmm. who wants to help pin him down and yeah it was it was very intense it was very intense but it was great and now again chastity I'm like yeah I'm not scared of it I think that's another pretty cool thing about um puppy play in general is that depending on whether you are more submissive or dominant you can still have an active role as a pup you know being an alpha or a beta uh not everyone who's a dom has to be a handler you know not everyone wants to be put in that much responsibility as a dom so i think being an alpha as a pup is a close second to at least get you some of that experience or at least just play around and kind of lose yourself in the headspace for a bit even as a dom Mm. I do love nope. I do love that um there are so many different versions of that. Like everybody's got their own like in ABDL you could be a daddy or a big bro or a middle or a little and same with like mm-hmm. if you're a leather dom or you you know, I like that everybody has their own terms for even clowns, you've got boss clowns and stooges. <coughs> oh, pardon me. <coughs> Sorry. By the way, you're allowed to burp on this podcast. That's uh that's uh we've established that as a as a normal thing how were your experiences coming to terms with being kinky because it's kind of like the whole crux of me doing this podcast is that moment really changed my life and i'm always interested in finding out how that was for people because it's like the hardest thing to do i think and that's because we're not it's not modeled we're not shown enough people doing that so what was that process like for you um so i guess for me i grew up in a very conservative household Uh, i came out to my parents at about oh i think 16 years old and uh they're very accepting uh now but it took them a little time to uh, warm up to it and it's funny you mentioned that because for me it was kind of like well i'm in for an inch might as well be in for a mile so once the whole coming out thing uh happened i kind of started to explore kink a little more and from there was just a natural progression for me it seemed like so i don't really think i have a you know coming to terms with it quite so uh literally sort of story but yeah no it was just a very natural progression for me at least from coming out and deciding what my sexuality was to exploring it thereafter that's awesome i like that that's just kind of a one and done you were like this is this is me. This is who I am. Here we go. And then Grinder, of course, Grinder got released in the United States, and it was all downhill from there. <laughs> oh yeah. Is there much kink on Grinder? Oh, there's so much kink on Grinder. Oh, cool. Fair bit. Not as not as much kink on Grinder anymore, though. Like Scruff. That is true. Grinder is for boys. Scruff is for men. <laughs> I was about to ask what the difference is, but there we go. <laughs> uh, basically, Grinder is more like. I guess you could say the twink side of the dating apps and Scruff is more of the uh, bearish side, I guess you would say. Yeah, but okay. It depends on the but... area, though, I think a little bit. Like out there where, where you're at, uh, that's that's true. Here it's almost the opposite, I've noticed, out in the area I'm at. What's meant to be the difference? Because also, I mean, who just dates people that look like them, right? Yeah. I don't know. I think that's it's more of a taste question, I think. I think, um grinder came out first and it was kind of the original oh there's finally a dating slash hookup apps for the gays and then scruff kind of came back and said okay yes but we want to make it look more like a dating app used by the straights i guess you could say used by the the kinky straights but they're functionally the same functionally the same right right honestly oh scruff's just kinkier Okay, okay 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 yeah I think technically that's what it was supposed to be. Like, you know, Grinder, Scruff, and Scruff, like, was originally, like, I think the idea behind Scruff is, like, it's supposed to be more, like, you can go on and you can find, like, a daddy or you can find, you know, a dom or et cetera, et cetera, right? Got it. 
scruffy uh, individual. Scruff, exactly. But, you know, at this at this point, most people have both. That I've talked to, most people have both. Got it, got it. Because it, it, is, it is super regional, um, I think. But, you know, like, like Bullet said, it, it really just, yeah, it depends. Did you have a moment of just, like, accepting the kinky side to you? So there were a couple moments you know obviously i've been even without knowing i've been kind of kinky for a while since i was since i was a kid first uh yeah went through puberty but i also grew up in a really conservative household really conservative um like went to they found gay porn on my computer when i was like 10 11 12 when i got sent to conversion therapy for a few years that was fun so really yeah so um so I, I I struggled with my sexuality up until college, and I remember I was staying over the summer one summer, and I was hanging out with Bullet and his family a lot, and so we were actually driving back to campus the day before, and I was asking him like, "Can you still be like?" Because I had kind of talked to him about like possibly being gay and possibly like liking guys, and um, I was like, it, it, "Can I still be like religious? Can I still like you know believe in God and stuff? Can I can I still hold my my beliefs and still be this?" And he's like, "I don't know what to tell you, man. Um, other than." well, like I'm, I'm queer. And he was the first like close friend that I knew that was queer. And so I kind of, I started crying a little bit, like, cause we, we, we hold a lot of the same beliefs and, you know, we're raised very similar and we, we did everything in college and we were best friends. And I was like, wow, my, and I did have a crush on him back then. Um, so that was when I first really kind of accepted that I was queer. And then, uh, a few months later, I was sitting in the student union and I came out to my mom in the car, but she didn't tell me that she had it on speakerphone. And my uh, apparently my youngest sister was in the back seat, and um, I was like, and I asked my mom, "Do you think my sisters will um, accept me?" And my sister pipes up the, from the back seat and she's like, "Yeah, Bubby, we do. I love you." And I'm like, "Oh, great!" So yeah, that was fun. Wow. But yeah, as far as kinky, it was a couple of years later and I was, you know, just explore. I bit, I started exploring kinks immediately. So you two are really intertwined in each other's stories and development and all the foundations of, of this weird and wonderful world. Yep. That's really nice. Like herpes, Maxim never goes away. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's true. That's true. I am just that ugly postulating boil on your... <laughs> Hey, you want to come see what it's all about? I know, I would normally put the cat TV. Where's the cat TV? No, those are people. I normally put on, like, birds on the screen, and he'll just he'll just stare at them or pour at them while I, like, edit. That's awesome. I love it. I love it so much. We have a feline guest joining us, so he's just going to... You're going to be quiet, yeah? Yeah, 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 I know. Just, like, sit nicely. Look out the window. He wants me to put the cat TV on. You can look at the birdies out the window. I know they're not as good as the indoor birdies. It's like, come on, Dad. Come on, Dad. I want to watch the movie. It's like I need those 4K. Would uh, how comfortable are you talking about conversion therapy? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine with it. Yeah. Because you said that you did it for years. Yeah. What? So what exactly does that even entail? And also, how is that? So is that still legal over there? I mean, yeah, but it's not called conversion therapy. So, oh, great. <laughs> Bullet, did they take you to therapy? I can't remember. Yeah, they took me to therapy one time. Um, they said it was because they wanted to understand me. So, uh, yeah, um, 
they took me to a uh, counselor just to kind of get to understand me better. And uh, Max and I were both uh, religious people. And so they kind of wanted to know my viewpoints on that. Um, but with my therapist particularly, he was a little, I just didn't like him very much. I just told my parents, I don't want to go to that therapist anymore. You know, I'll go with you guys because it was a really hard time actually in my family because um, my grandfather had passed away a few years ago, which had hit my dad hard. And uh, my dad's best friend actually committed suicide. Uh, that same, that same week I came out to my parents. So it was just really tough. So they ended up, uh, going to therapy for a number of reasons, not just the, uh, me coming out, but yeah, no, I spoke to the therapist a little bit. I decided that I didn't want to continue personal therapy one-on-one, but I still went for my parents because, um, they were having issues at the time, especially my father with the suicide of his friend and his work and all that. See that. Yeah, that is just, yeah. We were also raised in very similar, very conservative churches. So, yeah, that is rough. But I, I do like that. Amongst all of that was, I and I imagine there is an element of like not wanting to lose anyone. I really like that the um, the angle they came at it from was we want to understand you, which is I guess sort of a way of saying I want to. We want to be there for you. We want to uh, help you rather than we want to do anything that might push you away right and it definitely was a bit of a learning process it may have started out like that a little bit you know just the terms of well you know pushing me away but not doing it intentionally but we eventually settled into a nice rhythm and eventually um they started to understand me better and they absolutely mm-hmm. love 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 pup max mm. that that does help it mm-hmm. certainly does it helps having a good one i mean also there's i think a lot of people say you know there's a real thing of like You don't want to, a lot of people don't want to introduce the partner because then if they don't like the partner, the partner becomes like the scapegoat. The partner becomes the reason. The partner becomes the problem. The one that took their, you know, whoever away. So we were college roommates, right? And that was, I mean, we were college roommates and hanging out a lot before we started dating, before I, before I even accepted myself, right? And so I was always at his house and and that sort of thing. And so um, apparently they had assumed we were dating before that. Yeah. And so after that, it's just been kind of a, you know, natural progression and I love his parents and they love me and everything's going great. I just couldn't help but thinking how, first of all, serendipitous it is that you guys ended up as roommates. But then I thought, do you know what? That's not that weird because I bet, I mean, queers are all around you, right? So like the only person that you know, I'm like, yeah, but that's just the only one that you know. I bet there were six other people down the hall. (laughs) Like it could have been. I just thought that was kind of fun. Queers are all around you. What comes out of my mouth sometimes? Jesus Christ. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Yeah. So, so just, so your parents found porn and then did they like send, did you have to like go to a camp or was it just like you go to uh, to speak to someone? So, okay, I never went to a camp. It was, I went to speak to someone, and I went to a couple different people. Um, let me see, how do I word this? As I said, we're not here to be perfect. How it how it is and how it was for you is... Yeah, so I hated myself. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm very, I'm fucked up. Um... I'm, I'm fucked up and I need to, I need to be, I need to be healed. Like a demon has got me like, like some crazy shit. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I was actually, I was personally all for it. Like when I first started going, I was like, okay, this is going to be great. The very first therapist that I got was a reformed homosexual. I'm doing air quotes right now. Um, a reformed homosexual that run 
a and and he had a couple of uh, like group therapy sessions too that I, I I went to a couple of times with other um, young men uh, struggling with homosexual thoughts and desires. The number of air quotes I'm using is ridiculous. And um, so there was a lot of a lot of exploration and a lot of you know what caused you to be like this and a lot of these talks that we went through trying to trying to distinguish you know why why I'm like this right and that that was the majority of everything that we talked to that and talking about scripture and it's like pray 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 that sort of thing right um and so that it, it was like that it wasn't super wow it, it was mentally invasive um and and like it, it was like spiritually draining just like the very essence of my being was being like sucked out and I was you know being told that I was wrong and abomination, all that stuff. Those are the words that were being used? Um, not necessarily by my parents, but by the, uh, you know, well, he was saying being gay is an abomination. Like, that's what the words the therapist would use. It's like the Bible, because it was a Christian therapist as well. Um, and I'm like, long story short, moves, moves forward like that for a couple of years with a couple of different therapists. I get to one therapist that I'm seeing and at this point, I'm already like, you know, I'm done with therapy. I'd been done, like done, like fed up for a while. Like at that point, I was like, I might be gay. I don't know if I am. I don't want to accept it right now. And I was kind of consciously making that decision. So working through things, I'm like, I'm done talking to these old guys who have like had some sort of gay experience, felt guilty about it, and then decided to make it their mission in life to ungay everyone else. Um and so the last therapist that I saw, I remember I, I went to uh, the second to last appointment. I went and he was like, okay, so homework for the week. You know, we want to start, you know, turning your thoughts away from like, oh, if you see a hot guy on the street and, you know, you're undressing them with the, your eyes, like look and see if you can find a hot woman on the street and undress them with your eyes. And I felt so bad doing that. Oh my fucking God. What the hell? Like, I felt so guilty doing that. Oh, it gets better. But, but, it gets a lot better. It gets so much better. Oh, I think I just need a moment to process that. What you're essentially being told is to start mentally, like... <laughs> it, <laughs> the, the other thing is that they're the ones who are telling you that you're gay. They're the ones who are telling you what you are and how it needs to be fixed. So, of course, you're now confused about what you feel and you don't know better yeah. you want to be good you know you you want to do the right thing so i also just struggle to see how this system like who are these people that you're uh, are being trusted and why i mean this must be rife with abuse okay so i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm yeah okay okay i'm with you i'm with you i'm with you yeah no no uh so i i, I try and i'm like okay i guess this is what i gotta do so i try and i it made me feel horrible it made me feel disgusting yeah. and, and not in a good way, not in the kinky way. It made me feel horrible. And I came back and I was like, it is too hard. The next week I was like, this is too difficult. I can't do it. I just feel gross. Like it makes me feel like I'm, it makes me feel like I'm just a pervert and sexual predator, yeah. like undressing random women with my eyes. And so I don't know how it got from point A to point B, but I shit you not, the next thing that he said, and I will never forget this, and this was the last appointment, last therapy appointment for, for that at least, I've ever been to, last 
Christian counselor I will ever speak to. And he's like, well, if it's too hard to imagine random women on the street, imagine women that you know, like your friends or your mom or your sisters. And so I stood up, walked out. I was in shock. And I told my mom, I'm not going back ever again. Did you tell her what he said? Not until years later. Actually, I told her about two years ago what he said. Because we were talking about it, and she was like, I had no idea that happened. I just remember you coming out, and we just didn't go back. I'm like, yeah, that's that's what he said. Oh my God. And so um, she was – the conversion therapy stuff, it was mainly my dad's idea, by the way. And my dad has improved a lot. They both accept me. They both love Bullet. However, it was really rocky. It's kind of hard not to. No, you're right. It's kind of hard not to. But yeah, so apparently – but this, this last therapist I – had um, gotten a lot of trouble because he was involved in so uh, gay conversion camps are illegal in the in the u.s like uh-huh. there are still plenty that are run but not under gay conversion camps like it's a christian therapy camp or something like that but there are some horror stories out yeah. there and apparently he was involved with some of those kind of like religious conversion rings i guess um but nothing physical was ever done um, so I'm grateful for that. Wait, he was he was actually abusing kids? Apparently. Apparently he was involved in some of that stuff and some of the like like some of the camp stuff. Wow. And, yeah. Shocking. And we're what, surprised by the I mean fucking yeah, yeah, duh. Yeah. Fuck. Fuck. Yep. Oh my god. Well, I mean, I hope uh, look, I'm looking at silver linings, right? Like I hope that that really is something that I think as parents you want to do the right thing. You want to do what you think is best for your child, but how, how can you, how can you, after hearing that ever think, yeah, that was a good idea. I, yeah. Yeah. No, my mom felt horrible and my dad regrets it now. Shit. That could have been really dangerous. Yeah. Understandably. I would be a little concerned if he was like, no, I still think it was good. I sent you. Some- it, Fuck. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. When I said queers are all around you, <laughs> The good and the bad. I mean, that is just horrifying. Two out of three counselors I saw were queer. You don't stop being queer. Well, of course they were as well, because no, you don't stop being who you are. And like, the other thing is, it's, I love the way he's talking about undressing people with your mind, because if I was sat there, for example, I'd be like, I've never, ever thought about doing that, because that is not what I find attractive. Like, his idea of what is and isn't attractive, or what is and isn't queer, or, you know, it's all, all of our feelings are so specific to us. And so you can't really, you know, that's why it's like important to find people who are like you, but no one's going to get you just, just because they say they do. Like it's this, and this is again, why it's like, if we were just told instead that actually who you are and however you feel is valid and fine and normal and whoever you want to be is absolutely fine. And further to that, you know, I've ranted about the lack of proper sex education that, mm-hmm. you know, we still get. And it's like, there is so much, uh, right now especially, so much heated fucking nonsense around, you know, literally shielding children to their detriment, where it's like, if kids don't know what's happened to them, for example, because they don't know, that they're, they're shielded completely from any knowledge of of anything we're afraid is going to be somehow inappropriate and somehow do what corrupt them. I don't know. It's not like kids are then going to be seeking out adults. 
this is arming kids with information that is appropriate for their age to know so that they can say to a responsible adult, that adult was inappropriate with me or that they feel uncomfortable about something or at least that the people who might be a danger to children know that these children are armed with enough information to call them out about it. That is what sex education is about. So I cannot understand this whole think of the children, protect them from knowing anything about sex until it's far too late and they've already made bad decisions or they have been abused. And it's like, I I just, I every single woman I know has had a story that mm-hmm. is, is, is shocking to hear. And so many men as well. Just, they just talk about it less. Yeah. Everyone in their youth had something where some adult knew that they could take advantage of your lack of knowledge, awareness, or you're not being safe because you didn't know that you could tell someone about it, or you felt like you had to do something secretly. And it's just, that is the danger. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Sorry, that just really riled me. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It's not even counting those times that, you know, by default you block them out or you're young and you don't realize this is not a good thing or, you know, this shouldn't be happening to you, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like thinking that th- things are normal because no one's told you what what should and shouldn't. Like it's just instilling in young people that if you don't feel safe or if you feel uncomfortable that you should be able to voice that. You shouldn't feel like you have to go along with something. You should be aware of what sexuality and sexual impulses are. And you should be aware that everyone is different, that no one has to engage with someone that they don't feel comfortable with. No two people are going to have the exact same interests or likes. And that it's totally okay that people that you know are into all sorts of weird stuff that you're not maybe, or that you have interests that are absolutely fine for you to go and explore and do it safely and do it with people you trust. Like, how many fucking world problems would be solved if that was just the baseline that we're all entering adulthood with? You know, yeah. I'm, I'm just, I, I, it really, really bothers me, especially with sort of religious morality stuff where they're like, oh, well, no, which, I mean, actually, my mother's a really good example of this because my mother grew up in uh, Soviet Hungary. And so she was like, they just, they just, we just weren't educated about any of this stuff. Uh, and, and contraception wasn't uh, readily available. So she was just getting pregnant all the time. And she didn't know why. Like, that is insane. The fact that my mother, like, and, and luckily, you know, abortive healthcare was was available. But like, she said, what if it wasn't? I would have just suddenly had all these kids. And I didn't even quite, like, she knew it had something to do with having sex. But she was like 18 and she was pregnant. And she's like, huh, I, I don't quite understand what it was that made me pregnant. Like, I know that it was because I had sex, but I don't know what mechanism. And it's like, oh my God, who are you helping by not teaching people? You're not protecting them from anything. A lack of information has never protected someone from something. It's just made them ignorant about it yeah. if it does come up. So I have a funny story about this, actually. <laughs> Please have a funny story because, <laughs> because now I'm just irate. <laughs> So I used to be a, I used to be kind of on the opposite side. I was a little naive. I was like, yeah, you know, sex is a personal topic. That is really up to the parents to teach the kids, blah, blah, blah. You know, my parents talked to me about sex. So I just assumed, you know, hey, everyone's a good parent. Everyone's going to do it. Everyone's doing it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, excuse me. Ooh, got the burps there. Oh, yeah. Do it into the mic next time. <laughs> <laughs> you perv. I like you. <laughs> but I'm um, uh, my major in college was a uh, bio pre-medicine and um, we had a student, a nursing student 
who thought that you gave birth through your anus? <gasps> a nursing student? Yep, a freshman. And that was the day I sat down and was like, perhaps some kind of universal or nationwide sex education would be beneficial to the populace. That... <laughs> This is a this is this is a woman with a uterus. This is a woman, yes, a woman with a uterus. A woman with a uterus, and she that is, is isn't that just fucking dangerous and scary? Like, mm-hmm. ah! it changed my opinion. I was like, you know what? I was absolutely wrong. Like, we can't trust parents to do this. We absolutely oh. need sex education. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and especially parents of a certain generation, where like there was, especially in countries where it's like you don't. I, I talk about you know my my mom's upbringing. You didn't tell kids anything because you were, or you didn't know who was a, who was going to report you. You didn't know who was a spy. You didn't know, you know, it, that was just the world you grew up in. So, my grandmother did not tell my mom anything. My my mom didn't know anything about her life. She didn't just just nothing. And so, she finds out a lot of stuff as an adult, and she's like, "That was just the way it was. People did not tell their kids." things because they were afraid the kids would repeat it and you know it could come back to you you could get in trouble which by the way we're already like if you don't teach your kids about sex pornography is that's just how it works yes yes and also pornography is not like i mean this is the other thing like it it's all over the internet kids now have access to any information that they want they don't have access to that information in necessarily the best way they just have the access so that could be a very positive or a very negative thing depending on what they look for what they look up and you are going to be curious you are going to look things up that interest you i did we all did like you know it's it's part of curiosity and learning okay i will say actually um i you i'm sure you well i don't know there's a podcast here called my dad wrote a porno have you heard of it no okay it's uh, it's it's very British, but it's very hilarious. Um, basically, this guy's this this guy's dad decided to write uh, porn, and uh, it's so badly written and doesn't make any sense and is full of plot holes and 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 is so unsexy, like it's just so vile, like it's it's so bad that he actually reads his dad's porn with his comedian friends, and it's very funny. But they have all these guests on, and uh, one of them was Emma Thompson. Famous British actress Emma Thompson, who's literally yep. been in everything. You know who I'm I talking about. Say, I recognize that one. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, literally been in absolutely everything. She yep. is also a uh, fucking hilarious and such a gem. She was the one who was um, at that award ceremony, drunk with the Louboutins, and she's like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, this is my blood," <laughs> holding it. Um, anyway, so she got on there, and she actually talked about uh, with her daughter how she explained what sex was to her. And I thought this was the best explanation. So she actually wrote, like, did a little storybook about what sex is for her daughter, which was kind of going the extra mile. But the the, the crux of it was, the way she explained it is, there are certain zones in you that when you're with someone else can feel nice. There are ways to make you know, and and, and the, she's telling a child, so it's, it's very sort of simplified, but she's like... Right, right. So <clears throat> you have your body, basically, that can feel good, but also your brain has to feel good. And also kind of your feelings, your your heart, your emotion, whatever, has to feel good. And when those three things align, that's what sex is, basically. That's when you can explore 
another person and you can touch each other and, and, you know, whatever. That's what it's all about. And she said, if one of those things isn't aligned, so if you if it doesn't feel good in your body or, or in your brain or, you're, you know, you have sort of a pit in your stomach, trust your gut. If you feel if there's an ick feeling, the answer is no, because that is one of your one of the parts of you telling you. And I just thought that is the best way to explain something that seems a lot more complicated, but actually that's all the information the child needs at that time is like a basic understanding of what consent is, basic understanding of what pleasure is, and a basic understanding that this is normal, it's human, everyone experiences it, and everyone experiences it differently. So I can't really explain it to you better than your body will feel good and you'll, you'll understand it. I just thought that was genius. I was like, wow. That's an amazing way to describe it. That's like the best explanation, right? Man, that, because the concept of consent can be, there are, I mean, there are so many adults that don't fully understand it. And it's not just, and and there's, there's consents, there's two, there's, there are two sides to the coin because there's always at least two people. There's always at least two parties that are involved in a sexual situation. I had a great, very, very high-level thinking point to make, and I it's gone. It's completely gone. You had a very Derrison rotation tonight. Yeah. <laughs> very, very Derris. <laughs> Let's go back to Derrison. Just have to put the have to put. Yeah. Why do I know that? <laughs> what do I remember that? So, uh, consent is important. <laughs> but I wanted to... Oh, my God! Choking penis! I just remembered what that is. <laughs> Okay, we need to know. We need to know. What is it? We need what is to know. It? What Choking is it? penis right now. It's so stupid. <laughs> oh, oh god! I don't know if he's going to listen to this, but basically, I was <laughs> before we started recording. I was talking about that guy uh, in in Berlin, <laughs> a friend of mine, who I uh, we were just talking about kinks and stuff. And, and anyway, I was saying how I uh, he really likes choking, and so I I, I choked him uh, a little bit. And the reason that I then was like choking equals penis all caps was he did this incredible thing that I can't believe I haven't talked about because it absolutely blew my mind. And I like have never seen anything like this. This is like a, a biological marvel. He came. Right. And then was like, oh, wait, hang on. And came again. Like as in he fully ejaculated, had an orgasm. And then without respite, like a couple, few seconds go by and he's like, wait, I can go, I can go for another one. And then came again. Like, how do wait. I do that? And like, I was like, free? what? The face I pulled was like, no, no, not hands free, but like, okay, just, just still made himself come again. So, like unbelievable. The face that I pulled was like, like the scream mask. And he was like, oh, you think that's good? I can go again. And just did it a third time. What? What? I, I saw this with my eyes. I was like, did, did, what? And I, you know, there are people who can uh, have multiple orgasms who've like trained and practiced. You you, you can do it. It just, yeah. you know, it's very difficult. But that's like, that's an orgasm. And that's mostly experiencing an orgasm and then finally ejaculating. He ejaculated yeah. three times. I have done, I have been able to come twice in quick succession. And there was one time where, I remained hard in between those two times, yeah. but that wasn't quite the same. I mean, that that was, this was like, he just, yeah, I just wanted to mention that because um, I, I think the world needs to study this person and know about it because, and he's like, I've always been able to do it. Never, you know, no effort required. Just, yeah, just something I can do. Can come I, two or three times. That's a freaking talent. What the 
fuck. I usually need like at least an hour or so. There, there have been a couple times, and bullet. Uh, yeah, we, we've both to done recharge. this too. Yeah, like well, like I'll, I'll two to three business days. Two to three, two to three business days. Like there are a couple <laughs> times where like I have been able to like rub. There was actually okay. There was once actually recent last week. I was like like we were dirty talking all day. Like he was like he told me to get padded up and like all this stuff. Like we were. It was great all day. And so I jerked off. I hit the wall behind me. And then about five minutes later, I jerked off again, hit the wall behind me. It was amazing. That, But usually Damn. that doesn't happen. Like, unless the fucking planets align or I'm like really, really trying and rubbing the skin off my dick. Yeah, I do that a lot. I can't. I, I can't. And it's not enjoyable. That second time, if you're forcing it, isn't enjoyable for me. That's amazing, though. Yeah. It's fucking amazing. Okay. Yeah, I know. Okay, so actually, I have this thing with like, so I require an enormous amount of friction. And I like, so often I I will like hurt myself, just because I can't stand slippery feelings. Like I don't like, like I I need, it just feels like nothing. Like I, I, I need, I need something to get traction for there to be and, and only the base of like the head of my penis is sensitive. So like, which means I don't like a lot of, like, I don't like, being, I hate being sucked off and I don't, I don't go deep in anal. I just kind of like, you know, enter and, and, and leave. And I, I don't have any like erogenous zones either. So this is the only way that it's You're just like, like hanging out in the foyer. And it just means, yeah, totally, totally. Like all that shaft is like completely wasted. Um, but I cannot edge. And I've spoken to a lot of people about this, people who are good at it, people who, you know, whatever. And they kind of, tell me I'm doing it wrong and I don't know but I just I can't if I'm close to coming and I don't and not like um just sort of hold off to last longer because that I, I can do but that's not the same I mean like like edge you know like like I get so get to the very edge and then it's about to happen and then deny it my body does not take kindly to that whatsoever it's like I my next orgasm will be ruined then like the yep. second time is just like, it's just like an angry release with no pleasure. It's like, yeah, it's like the buildup did nothing but halt the good feels. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't, it's like my body's mad at me and is like, oh, oh, we get to go now. Okay, fine. And then, you know, it's like, then sort of passive aggressively lets me come, you know, without a proper orgasm. And it's, it's super frustrating. And of years of trying to quote unquote, do it right. I, I just avoid it now. I'm just like, fuck that. I, I, I yeah. do not understand how... I'm sure someone listening to this is like, oh, you're doing it wrong. You're going too closely or whatever it is. But I, I, don't, I don't get it. I, yeah, it's, like the, it's like the orgasm equivalent of, of when you really need to sneeze or you're really trying to sneeze. You're really... It's right on the edge there and then you just lose it or you do, but you're like, it's a halfway sneeze. It's... I, I don't yes. know if that makes sense. That's that's what that's it's, an analogy that makes sense in my mind. Yes. Needing to sneeze and not being able to is the worst feeling. It's not the yeah. worst feeling, but it's pretty oh, bad. It's okay, the worst... No, that is the worst. Do you know what the best feeling is? I've decided. Having a giant cock up your ass. No. No is waking up like on time for something yeah waking up on time for something is definitely yeah no waking up on time for something and then being told oh that thing's not happening and going back to sleep like waking up for school and being told there's no school today and going yeah. back to sleep that's like the best feeling. being like there's no school uh work is shut today whatever it is 
like oh it's a snow day it's a you know whatever like thinking you have to be somewhere and so you wake up and you're tired and then being like i just get to go back to sleep oh, and yeah. do whatever the fuck i want today amazing amazing i've had that happen like twice in my life <gasps> only twice because like i live in arizona we don't get snow you do get snow in arizona okay well, not yeah, in yeah but not in phoenix not in phoenix yeah phoenix is very desert desert but that being said that being said Whenever we get any snow whatsoever, like once every decade, everything shuts down. Everything. Yeah, the UK is kind of like that. We, If there's the smallest bit of snow, and I mean the smallest bit, the whole country, the, none of the trains are running, nothing, nothing's happening. You're not getting anywhere. The whole, all the businesses closed. It's like, ah, 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 ah. It's like, this, this is, this pretty much happens every year now, guys. Like, come on. Other countries have snow and they can manage to just... We also have quite an infamous one, which is leaves on the track, because they just make up excuses for why your train isn't late. Um, Leaves on the track. Leaves on the track. Oftentimes it'll be like a person on the track, which, you know, means someone jumped in front of the train, but leaves on the track, which isn't true, has means nothing, but is just a, we're just running late. And they'll say, due to leaves on the track, the train isn't, you know, it's like... I love that. I there is something incredibly there is some incredible British humor, <laughs> and I love it. Yeah, because also like everyone knows it's bullshit, and they know that we know that it's bullshit. But it's just like here's your little. We're going to be slightly passive aggressive, and we're going to say, "There's leaves on the track." Terribly sorry. <laughs> God, I love the European people. So annoying. So annoying. <laughs> Oh my god. I actually once did like a brand research thing about about the trains and they were like um they were like would you like to know would you like to be given a reason why your train is late and I was like I guess just so that I'm not like well where the fuck is it or how about the train's not late and they were like yeah I mean that 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 would be good too. Okay but how about this what if the train was so late that it was on time is the train even late? And I'm like that's yes. a good question. Question: Yes, the train is late. They're like, yeah, but the train's only late. Like, if the train is late, the exact number of minutes. This is such a dumb thought experiment because basically what they're saying is, if one train is late, if the train comes every five minutes and the first train is five minutes late, then all the other subsequent trains are on time. And it's like, yeah, except the first and last trains are late, and no train is going to be exactly that kind of late. And also, it doesn't matter. The train is still late. It's still annoying. Even if the train was so late that the previous train is now there the time that I'm getting on, that's annoying for the person for whom it wasn't. So, yes, the train is still late. That's that's such an unhelpful scenario. <laughs> like, and, and, like, it's as if we have to choose... Because like, they also said, okay, what if the train was, was never late but was every half hour? Okay, yeah, annoying, but sure. And they're like, okay, or what if it was every five minutes but it was always late? I'm like, well... I guess I'd rather the train wasn't late, but why does it have to be one or the other? Like, why can't yeah. why can't it just be on time every five minutes? Japan does it. Japan does it. Switzerland does it. I'm Swiss, so I know how it can be done. Like in Switzerland, that actually this was the best. Um, the first time I took my partner to Switzerland, we we're getting the train, and he was looking around for like a clock. He was like, "Oh, I think his phone was dead." He was like, "Do you know what time it is?" And I just looked at him and I said, "You don't. You don't get it yet." You don't need to know what time it is. He's like, no, I do. I'm just, I want to see, you know, the train. No, 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 no. The train is going to get here at 3.35. He's like, yes. I'm like, well, the train's not here yet. So it's not 3.35. 
And then the train arrives. I'm like, now it is 3.35. Way to go, Switzerland. Right? Which is such a Swiss way of, of thinking about things. Like, if, if you ask someone the time, they're like, but the train is not here. So when the train arrives, you will know that it is 3.35. That's just it. You just, then, then you will know. That's, That's awesome. awesome. Here in the United States, it's like, they give you a knife and they say, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> I've taken the luck. fucking Caltrain. I actually love it because it's it feels very old timey because there's absolutely no public transport infrastructure. It's literally just like you're basically getting a freight train and it's so unnecessarily slow, but it's very beautiful. I mean, like going from San Jose to San Francisco is I, I really like it. Even though it's 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 we pretty. We do have some beautiful landscape. I will say that. Yeah, it's pretty and it's it's beautiful and it's like you are literally going on the old freight train tracks. So you're doing this big and and the schedule is what the schedule is. Like they're not that often, but they go and they go yeah. back and forth and it works. Yeah. Could it be a thousand times better? Yes, but it is still quite a big distance. And like if you're not in a city in America, that yeah, you know, it'd be great to build trains, but you know. Yeah, the infrastructure would have to be, yeah. Not to mention the oil companies would throw a temper tantrum and oh, we can't course. have that, now can we? <laughs> I love that we've ended this on just <laughs> trains and public transport. <laughs> Welcome to my fetish circus podcast where, you know, we might talk about trains or farts. Who knows? Uh, anyway, thank you guys so, so much for coming. But just quickly, do you guys have your yay for your yays for today's yes my yay for today is the uh austin rodeo is in town and so i guess this really only applies to the austinary <gasps> people but it's something that's very look forward to i'm gonna try to go tomorrow we'll see if i actually make it out there but it brings a lot of joy to the area and there's a lot of barbecue and it's pretty cool so that's my yay for today whether i get to experience it or not i know it's happening and even that's exciting oh my god that's amazing are there going to be rodeo clowns I like I okay cool that's very exciting to me <laughs> I would love to go to a rodeo but look, have you got a yay for today so I wasn't a very good student uh what is a yay for today you didn't do the homework I'm just like a I just like to end on a positive I just like to have like a good fun uh you know just just a, a yay moment like something because sometimes we get a bit heavy on the podcast and I just I, I just always like to end on something cool that's happening, something, someone who's doing something cool, something fun that happened or something that's going on or something you're excited about or just just a positive thing that, that has made you smile this week. Okay. Okay. I feel you. Um, I'm, I'm actually applying to go back to school. Oh, uh, cool. Because we were talking about this earlier um, off mic, to study something specific or just like going back into college? So I'm trying to get into uh, the veterinary program we have here in Arizona. Oh my so God, that's awesome. It's going to be quite the application process, quite the, uh, I got to get my letters of rec, all my test scores. But yeah, uh, hoping to get that done today. Uh, not today, but this week at some point. Whoa, that's so awesome. Okay. Well, I'm just going to wing it. Um, I was just trying to find his socials. Okay, so basically mine is going to be a really awesome dude that I have the pleasure of knowing. A friend of mine called, uh, you've probably seen him online, uh, Rubber Shadow. He is, without trying to sound like kind of patronizing, 
I'm really proud of how far he has come because I remember sort of the the, the early days and he is just, he's, he's such a wonderful, sweet guy. He's loads of fun and he is into the weirdest, wackiest shit and keeps trying new stuff and makes really, really cool media. And I'm, yeah, just, just really like genuinely proud of how far he's come and what he's achieved. And like, I like that there's little things in there that I can see myself in as well. And I've just recently been like hearing from people how influential he's been to them even. So, and with clowning of all things, which uh, makes me feel uh, like even more of a proud dad. So yeah, I, I, I know that's kind of lame, but it's true. Like I'm, I'm, he's actually become an inspiration to me now. So it's kind of gone full circle and uh, he's doing all these like photo shoots and really putting himself out there and his, and his face out there as well, which I just thought was like the craziest thing. Cause that is still sort of a barrier. You know, I like to wear like my makeup and stuff and I haven't really done that yet. So yeah, it's, it's actually inspired me to try and be a bit braver. And that's actually how I ended up stripping in the first place. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. So uh, and, and and like doing porn and more sessions and stuff. So uh, go check him out online. He is at Rubber Shadow on Twitter and at Rubber Shadow on Instagram. Oh my God, there's a kid dressed like Pikachu outside holding a, a Pokeball balloon. That kid is going places. Oh, lucky. Uh... Guys, thank you so much uh, for coming to the Big Top. Where can people find you guys online? Yeah, you can find me at That Pup Bullet. Oh my gosh, my uh, Instagram still says I'm 25. <laughs> and then my Twitter is PupMax to the max. Nice. Uh, and as always, you can find me on Twitter at tstota and on Instagram at the underscore muckle underscore stota. Hopefully, one of these days, I'll get my fucking Instagram back. Um, anyway, that is all for this week. So join us next week as we go under the big top. Thank you so much for having us. Have a good one. there horny listeners. We talk a lot about safety on this podcast and that includes the importance of safe toys that are actually designed for sexual pleasure. Bunny Shop's carefully curated products are body safe and prioritize quality, aesthetics and safety. Bunny Shop takes a boutique approach to shopping for adult toys with a wide range from affordable gems to unique luxury items for all experience levels. What I like most about Bunny Shop is the approachability. They've created such a welcoming space and none of it's dark, intimidating or feels like it's gatekeeping. And if you like pink, they've got you covered. Bunny Shop also donates a percentage of all sales to a non-profit of your choice. Plus, they ship quickly and discreetly. Let go of your shyness and embrace your self-love journey with confidence. Save 20% off your order today when you use my code BIGTOP. Visit bunnyshop.com, that's B-U-N-N-Y-S-H-O-P-P-E dot com. Spelt with two P's and an E at the end. Don't be shy, let your freak flag fly.